Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Project Peak Performance. Myself, Dave Gibbons, and Rob Brady sat with James Farrelly today. Now, James is one of the UK's leading, in my opinion, life coaches. Um, I actually dealt with him personally a number of years ago. He was one of my first coaches, so I have a lot of admiration for this guy. And today, what we're going to be talking about with Valentine's Around the Corner is relationships. Uh, what we want to know, ideally, is what are we doing wrong in relationships? Um, what could we be doing better? And maybe, like I say, what's cocking it up and what are the answers to these questions? So I'm hoping James, with his knowledge, will be able to uh, answer some of these for us and let us know where us men are potentially going wrong and women and potentially explain the differences between masculine, feminine, uh, feminine um, senses and people and states and what we can uh, be doing going forward to ensure that we're having fantastic relationships and plenty of love, plenty of sex and plenty of anything else that we want out of it. So without uh, any uh, any other messing around, James, hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks. That's a good introduction. I'm quite happy with that. So. You like it? That, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, do you want to explain to people um, what it is that, uh, that you do, you specialize in uh, and how you've been helping people? Do you want the the short the short answer or the long answer? Give me your answer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, without I'll, I'll try and keep it as as relatively short as possible. Um, but I've been doing this for I think I never count how many years. I'm terrible with dates and and years. You know, even the kids' birthdays, I always have to count in my head because they don't just come to me. But I think it's about nine years, ten years. Um, and originally I started out as a, as a personal trainer and I very quickly realized that there was a lot more to it than just what you eat. You know, it's simple. Stop eating so much food and exercise. It's, it's literally that simple. But why aren't people doing it? Why are people showing up? Some people not. Two people coming together and getting different results, etc. So it become obvious to me as I, I've always been curious. I've always been nosy. I've always been interested in humans and and the more i got curious the more things would come into it their relationships and the support of their partner and the lifestyle choices and jobs etc so i um i went on a, a course originally which it was it was supposed to be about understanding neuroscience uh and the way the brain works and habits and stress response and nervous system in relation to uh, helping people stay on track or do what they know they should do but aren't doing, you know, get get them to do what they already know what to do. But actually, the, the experience I had was it absolutely blew my mind because I don't know if I knew it at the time, but on some level, I felt I, I felt I was insane. I felt I was bipolar. I felt like I was riding this emotional roller coaster of ups and downs. Um, uh, one day I'd feel like I could take over the world and the next day I felt like I couldn't even get out of bed and I would hide that. I got very good at presenting this happy, confident, excitable person to all my clients and be the life and soul. And then behind closed doors, I would, you know, be feeling all sorts of emotions. I didn't even know at the time, really. Um, and interestingly, the reason I love this topic of relationships is because I'd moved in with with my wife, uh, obviously wasn't married at the time, but and that was really confronting for me because I couldn't hide from her because she was always there, you know, and we had um, our first child together. And that was really difficult because now there was someone that could see the behind the scenes. They could see, 
And then she's thinking, I'm mental, or I'm, I'm, I'm bipolar. And there's all this kind of conflict there as well, where I'm trying to be the best I can be. But at the same time, the pressure of it, the financial pressure, the ups and downs, the, there's nowhere to hide, essentially, from her. Because, uh, and that that's what led me into looking more in this direction, where it was like, actually, do you know what? I'm not so bothered about just the the diet, nutrition, et cetera, anymore. I'm, I'm bothered about, like, what firstly what the fuck's going on for me right why am i the way i am why am i so erratic angry being triggered you know all these things like just an email could just put me off track all day or i'd have a pile of things to do but yeah i'd be sat in my office pretending i'm working when really i'm not because i can't even motivate myself to even get out of this chair or uh the ups and downs so i first went in the direction because of that it was like what what is going on for me what is happening here? Like, am I insane? Like, how do I get more out of myself? How do I be better? How do I be that best version of myself all of the time rather than just one day a week or two hours a day or whatever it was? Um, and that, that's what led me into this was, as I discovered more for myself, I then wanted to talk to other people about this. Uh, I remember my, my first video was, was talking about this. It was so scary. Uh, and I so nearly didn't post it. And and to my surprise, the amount, the response, still to this day, I've never beaten that video. That video just blew up and, and funded and drove my business for about five years. Because every time I tried to record a better video, I couldn't. This, this original OG <laughs> video, I think because it was so raw, it was so, uh, I just obviously felt it. It was so important to me in that moment. It's like I've never been able to, recapture the quiet the energy that i had in that video because i think it was very raw it was very scary it was very uh emotive and i just that that's how the business was born essentially but um to arrive at more the kind of relationship stuff um it's just it's just an area of my life that i think i have got a lot from and so me in general we've been together 15 years this year we've been married for five this year two kids so we've been together since we met at uni and then been together ever since so in that time relationships are just such an amazing they can be such an amazing mirror to us like because like i said you just can't hide from if you've got intimacy issues they're in your face if you have got communication problems they're in your face if you struggle to kind of you just can't get away. They're there. Essentially, they see you at your best. They see you at your worst. You know, the times when you're tired, uh, all of this stuff that comes with it, it's love languages and all of this stuff, which I'm sure we'll elaborate on. But um, so through working with, I've mainly worked with men, although what's often happened is I work with mostly men, mostly high performers, mostly business owners, uh oftentimes their relationship would become quite a big focus in the conversations even though they didn't know it was going to be and i didn't necessarily know at first and then often what's then happened is i end up then working with their wives as well and and um that works quite well but um jenna has told me for years about eight years ago i said i'm just going to be a relationship coach that's what i'm going to do because i just love it as a as a portal into our own personal development, I think relationships are so, and whether that's with your wife, husband, whatever, or whether that's even being a, a parent, uh, your relationship with your kids, they're going to trigger the fuck out of you, right? If you <laughs> if you've got triggers, they will find them, they will press them, you will. Uh, <laughs> 
And then you'll find yourself kind of feeling guilty or questioning yourself or wishing you were doing better. Like they will find these triggers. So they can be such an amazing portal, I think, into self-development, self-discovery, finding your own weaknesses. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? That was as short as I could make it. <laughs> but you did for me. You did for me, Rob. Yeah, really good. Mm. So going back to that first course you did, mm. you said you, it was like that light bulb moment. Like, what was the moment for you on that? Like, what you, because I, I 100% can see the journey you've gone on, and I'm pretty much on like that similar pathway, which we spoke pretty much off air. There was like a moment you thought, right, I'm going to remove the mask. I'm just going to be authentically me because it's better than just hiding from everything. But so, what did that course bring to you initially to then start to go down that route? Yeah, good question. Um, the first thing it did was made me realize I wasn't insane. Now, that was literally the words that come out of my mouth when I left that. It was like, I'm not insane. My brain is just doing what it's supposed to do. Like, by as as I'm sure you, you know, well, I know you both know, you know, in terms of fight, flight or freeze, uh, in terms of the nervous system with, with parasympathetic and sympathetic, going into fight response, flight response, the hormones that come with that, how that changes our mood, our emotions, our thoughts. It was the first time I realized that my brain was just trying to stay alive. It was just perceiving danger and it was reacting in ways that it's been conditioned to do so or ways in which I now understand to be kind of from trauma, from how I was parented, from what was demonstrated to me by my parents or what I saw or the decisions I made, not even consciously in the moments. Like my brain was just running these patterns and it was just doing everything it could to try and keep me alive, not necessarily happy as such. Yeah. Um, that just absolutely blew my mind, no pun intended, because it was the first time it stopped being about me being insane or mental or bipolar, um, which there's there's a bit of a reason for those thoughts because without going into too much of my past, it was um, traumatic. They, 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 uh, they do the, is it the ACEs study? There's like a number of ACEs that the more you tick, the more chance, the more trauma you've experienced, the more likelihood that you're going to be in prison or... Um, yeah, some form of crime or uh, addiction, etc. I tick all of the boxes except for one. So, <laughs> which uh, so don't know why I'm here or how I'm here. But um, and my mum's got personality disorder as well, which is like uh, it's like bipolar in some ways. So, so a lot of it and mental health runs in my family big time. People have been sectioned, suicide, etc. Probably a a lot of generational trauma well not probably generational trauma so that there was a lot of that in the back of my head I didn't know all that at the time though I didn't know what I now know I just thought you know I don't know like does it run in the family is that how we brought up um so to come across this was like oh wow my brain's just doing what it's supposed to do and everyone's brain's doing what it's supposed to do everyone's going into fight flight or freeze everyone's being triggered everyone's uh amygdala is is going off and saying right this is the alarm bells here this is like something we've experienced before let's do what we always do let's run away let's argue let's go drink some alcohol and numb it all everyone's brain is is essentially just doing the same thing but in in slightly different ways so that that was the the big insight for me was like and I don't know how to word it better than that. It was it was just the relief that I'm not insane. My brain is doing what it's supposed to do. And therefore, there has to be a way of rewiring it or reprogramming it or pulling it apart in, in some way. And that's uh, 
that's the journey that I've been on for the last however long. That's <laughs> fascinating because without a lot of people don't necessarily get into that position where they start to, like you say, go to the mirror and they hide from all of it and they can still hide from their partners and, and then it gets exhausting. So but the self-development element to it does bring up that mirror and a lot of people still run away from it or a lot of people go, right, okay, I'm going to draw the line. So from your part, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have understood that, oh, actually, all of the shit's going on in my head is actually from like, you know, when I was brought up as a child, it's not, it's not my fault that I feel this way. But it it now creates me accountable to go, right, what can I do to develop it and normalise, like, me not feeling this way? Um, so it's it's awesome to hear because you find a lot of people, I don't feel that are still in that position. They're like, you know, I'm triggered by my children. I'm, I'm triggered, but not necessarily understanding that it's their own triggers rather than, like, you know, the, the, ki- the kids annoying me. It's like, no, you're annoyed by the kid. Like, so, like, you deal with your emotions of what you're doing with it. So love that. Uh, and especially with especially with modeling of your like your mum and like you said like parents modeling few previous generations sometimes that's normalized like this is the way that life is led like you know you're gonna you're gonna grow up in these environments and you have to stay in these environments so i mean dave and i were only talking this about this this morning wasn't it? we were talking about yeah. we, don't, we don't watch the news anymore because then everyone comes up to us about you know have you heard about this it's like no i have no idea what you're talking about and i don't give two shits so um <laughs> That's good to hear. So, and then, so from that, from that, um, I like to dissect a lot. So from that, from that initial program, you were saying like, you know, I was having those up and down days and I was going to the gym and then I was hiding and stuff like that. And, and then you led to that first video. I'm going to, I'm going to actually show the world, unmask it. Like I've literally just done a TEDx the weekend talking about exposing yourself to social media and not masking in society and how we can make better commitments. So, love that what was that like because there's a lot of people that probably before we start to delve into relationships you need to start going okay i need to find my authentic me i need to bring that to to society from that course to that first video that went like the og video how was that leading up to that to get into the point of like actually now i'm going to show the world my authentic james well it's an interesting question because it's almost like when I, and there's, there's so many good things in what you just said, uh, and hopefully I'll remember because there's a couple of points. So first thing that stood out in what you said, which I love, is I don't know why, I don't remember why, and I don't remember how, I learned to take personal responsibility. So if 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 me and Jenna have an argument, what, what could I have done better? What happened for me? What did I feel? What were my thoughts? If I was to experience that argument again, would I have done anything differently? Could I do anything differently? If the same thing happens again tomorrow, would I do anything differently? I'd always look at how was this my fault? How was this, mm. not my fault, I don't know if that's the right word, but responsibility, because I can't change her, really. Um, if we've tried changing our, uh, if you try and change other people, you'll quickly realize it doesn't work. The, my, my best hope at changing her or the kids is by changing myself. And then the way I show up to them and the way I communicate and the way I, my energy, my presence, et cetera. Um, so taking personal responsibility is, is huge. I, I've actually worked with people before and they just want to blame each other. That's, that's one of the reasons I didn't become a relationship coach and call myself that because I just found people that come to that, whether that's everyone or whether just the people that I saw, 
they just wanted to blame each other. And it's like, it's just, isn't going to fucking work. Or they would say, you you fix it, James. Yeah. (laughs) You fix it. I need you to speak to my wife. Uh, And I'd get on the phone to her and I'd say, do you even want to be on this call? Or is it because your husband's forced you on it? Oh, he's forced me on it. And I'd say, well, (laughs) it's fucking pointless. Um, (laughs) So you have to, the first thing is every time I'm triggered by the kids, every time I'm not able to, even if I'm like, why am I not, why am I not compassionate there? Why am I not loving there? Or why did I feel guilty when I said that? It's always just looking that 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 compassionate sort of self-inquiry, looking into myself. How can I do better here? So I love that you you touched on that. Um, and then the, moving on to the question, the fascinating thing about authenticity or who I am or who we are is it's like a, I'd love to say that that video was authentically me, but it was authentically me based on what I thought I knew about myself at that moment in time. Mm. And then the next video was based on what I thought I knew about myself at that moment in time. And that's just carried on. And sometimes every time I think I know who I am, uh, I then discover new parts of myself. It's it's almost like every time I think I've, I know myself, you, you'll find something new or you'll, you'll, a new door opens. Every time you think you've explored every room in the mansion, you find this new door within your mind that's got a whole new room or a basement. And you think, well, it just never seems to, it never seems to end, but in, the, in the, the most amazing way, because I don't think there's anything more enjoyable than getting, get into that, who we are, that, that authenticity of who we are. Um, so it's been a constant unfolding and then sometimes I get further away from it and sometimes I get closer to it. Um, but with all that said, for some reason, I don't know why, authenticity and honesty and truth just seem to be really important to me. I think in this in this world, there's so much bullshit. There's so much, there's so much facades and, and people putting masks on, either knowingly or not knowingly, consciously or unconsciously. Social media doesn't help. Everyone's filtering and everyone's presenting their best life. And I very quickly learned from working with clients that might be traveling the world or they've got 10 cars or they've got helicopters or they've got millions or they've got the most amazing houses. You get to see the behind the scenes and you get to see that they feel the same as what I feel. You know, they would just because they've got 10 cars doesn't mean they don't wake up and think I can't be asked today or just because, you know, they've, they're multimillionaires. It doesn't mean that their wife's not getting on their tits or it doesn't mean that they didn't experience trauma as a kid or so you kind of, I just, I just love cutting through the bullshit and just being on. And I've always been radically honest in that sense. There's never been any bullshit. I've always probably overshared, but I've always found that the more vulnerable I am, and the more open I am, the more honest I am, the more people tend to be that way with me as well, which in relationships is massive, uh, 100%, whether that's with the kids or whether that's with your partner or wife or whatever. That that I think that vulnerability um, and that openness and that willingness to, to look in this direction and I think it express, uh, I think creates so much connection. And even that's an ongoing process, but that answer the question <laughs> i forgot what the question was <laughs> uh, it, it did help it did it it proves the fact that there's some point you have to draw a line towards going okay right and the open the doors is a very interesting one because what i find with it is i always like ian was talking about one of our pack members this morning on social media talking about opening new circles yeah so like the environments like those doors are environments to new ways of thinking 
new ways of being, new connections. And then that opens up another door and opens up another door. And like you said, you look back in a few years down the line, you think, oh my God, how was I in that environment? And how I was like, you know, fighting in that environment to where I am now. So like pursuit, pursuit of inner peace, I think is, is a massive ideology for me. Mm. Um, so, so going from, going from, I feel like I'm just taking over Dave. Um, yeah, you going, feel, well, like I said, I, I, I speak to James offline, like all the time anyway. So I've, I've got yeah. his brains more times than I, I'm letting you, I'm letting you have this one, mate. I'm cool. So, go, so going from, um, going into that new arena of stuff, then what, what was the, what was the reason why you probably got more into relationships than anything else? Like, was it, was it the case of the children or was it a case of, uh, you wanted a better, deeper connection with, with Gemma? I know obviously you were saying like behind the scenes, obviously she saw you like that. And then obviously then you came to like be more authentic to the world and that probably settled down. But was there a reason why that, I know you said it was a fascination, but was there a reason why there was a fascination in that particular topic of understanding that a bit more? Yeah, in hindsight, I think I think the kids played a big part because um, I I had uh, I've got a, a son from a previous relationship as well. I had him at sixteen. Um, that didn't help because no one I knew had kids at sixteen, and no, I didn't get any help with that. And that was fucking hard work. I didn't know it's stupid now. I didn't know that being a parent was hard work. So I'm thinking there's something wrong with me here because. Whilst I love him and there are moments of joy, there are times when you wake up at 5 a.m. and they, there's a dinosaur in your face and he wants to play dinosaurs and you're thinking, someone just kill me. Like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> or three hours into playing dinosaurs, you look at the time and you go, oh, my God, it's like, it's still early. We've got 12 hours of this. Um, but moving on from that, I think when me and Jenna had kids, I, I think that without the kids, I don't think we would be together. Um because I don't think there would have been as much of a reason for us to to work through and, and fight through. And that would have been a massive shame. And we would have missed out on everything that we now have. Because I don't know, I think it would have been easier to quit. I think it would have been less confronting to quit. I think it would have, it would have been very easy for me to jump from relationship to relationship, thinking they're the problem, they're the problem, she's the problem. Let's just keep searching for you know, the one that ticks all the boxes and inevitably, I'm sure, as you see with some people, they get in a next relationship and it's the same as the last one. It's the same patterns. They go from one abusive relationship to the next. Um, mm. But, in yeah, in hindsight, there's something about, I think, you know, some people experience stuff in their past and then they just repeat that. Um, and I don't think knowingly is the phrase that hurt people hurt people. And I think that probably points to that. But there are some people, and again, I don't know why, that experience something and we say, I do not want my kids to feel this. I, I want to mm. give them everything I didn't have. So for me, being a good dad has been probably my biggest purpose or one of my biggest purposes in life. Um, and again, I don't think I knew that, but in hindsight, I think that's what made me, I wanted them, I wanted the kids to, to see a loving relationship. I wanted them to see what happy parents and, and, and safety and love and joy and happiness. And I wanted them to, to experience that. So for that to happen, uh, I needed to be my best self. I needed our relationship to be uh, as good as possible. Um, and that also meant dragging Jenna along on this journey as well, because 
she needed to know all of this as well. So for the first few years, she was not really getting it. And it was so frustrating. She didn't really get it. She didn't really understand it. She didn't really want to get it, I don't think. She pushed against it. And I just would always, uh, I felt like, and a lot of people might relate to this because it's, it's often where one person gets it and the other doesn't. Trying to skillfully uh, communicate in ways and share certain things and um, and get her to, to gradually wake up to what I was seeing and what I was experiencing. Uh, and I did that actually through talking about myself, my own insights, rather than put the focus on her, me saying, you need to change or you this and here's your problem, and which just gets them defensive and guard up. And I would just always talk about myself. I'd always talk about, I, I, I was angry yesterday and I've realized why. And I felt, felt this and I thought this, and I would always just share her insights, my insights, sorry. I had a realization that the reason I was so angry was because of this and that's my fault. And I would just put all the focus on myself about how I can do better and what I've learned and what I've seen and the books I'm reading and what has come to mind for that. Every date night, even to this day, my favorite question, um, I always ask her like, what's my score out of 10 this week? And, uh, <laughs> and if it's 10, great. If it's nine, I say, well, why is it not a 10? And then she'll say, well, you've been a bit grumpy or you've been this or nice. you could have helped a bit more. Um, and I just take that not as criticism. I take it as feedback to, to do better. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. And if I don't agree, it's not like, I'm not like um, weak in the conversation. And, you know, she says, well, you didn't do the school run every morning and uh, cook dinner every night. And then I go, hang on a minute. I, say, I can't do that. I, I'm going to stand up for that and say, I can't do that. And here's why, and here's how I feel. And so it's a conversation, but I always just kept the focus on myself until she started to see the changes in me. And it's like, once she started to see me change, I think that started to get her a lot more intrigued, a lot more curious as to, you know, what was I reading? What was I doing? Um, mm. And that that meant that she started to go along on the journey. Uh, and then what started to happen is, you know, when I would say like, what's my score out of 10? And then I would just listen and she would tell me and I wouldn't butt in and I wouldn't tell her why she's wrong and I wouldn't invalidate what she's saying. I would just listen and I'd take it on board. Uh, I'd see that as what she's saying isn't necessarily the truth. That's just an expression of her thoughts, her emotions, how she's feeling. And I could explore that and I could get curious because sometimes there was like a misinterpretation you know, what people say and what they feel isn't necessarily the truth. I just got really curious about her, but the focus was on me. So it meant it wasn't really triggering for her. But what follows is at some stage, she then started to go, well, well what's my score out of 10? <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, now you're asking. Five. Um, <laughs> one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thankfully she did go on the journey and that, that will be a problem that presents itself for people, I think, because... Um, sometimes their their partner becomes open to change as well and they travel together. And the ones that go on the journey together, uh, it's a long story short, you know, it's not just me in this relationship. Jenna then has gone on to read all these books. She then has gone on to uh, become a coach herself, parenting coach. She then um, has gone on to like have therapy and coaching. She has gone on to, she now works, she's a mental health trainer for mind now so from where she we laugh about from where she was mm. where it was like she just thought life is what it is right it is what it is you don't question things you don't fix things you don't change things we are who we are and to go from and, and we laugh about this because she remembers me saying to her 
do you ever worry that we're we're getting this parenting thing wrong? And she was she did not even get what that meant. She's like she couldn't even like even comprehend the question. How do you get parenting wrong? Like that's how almost blind she was to all of this. Um, and when we was going through real conflicts at one stage, when it was got to a point where I was deeply unhappy, and I actually was considering, do I want to be in this relationship because? what my kids are seeing is probably not the relationship I want them to see. I don't want them to think this is love and this is marriage because it isn't and it shouldn't be and it's shit. Like, would we be better separate? Because at least we can be happy if not apart kind of thing. But I remember saying to her, like, I, I can't be the only one to keep working on this relationship. But I need you to... And she just couldn't get it. She's like, what do you mean work on a relationship? Like, honestly, it's hilarious to think. She didn't even get what that meant. Like, what does that mean? So I guess what the reason I'm sharing this is, is um, um, I've seen it as well from someone to be so asleep to this conversation, so blind to it, so close to it. And I've seen someone wake up to it and and that's part of what i love about this job as well as waking people up to this mm. uh, but i've also seen within um my relationship waking someone up to it because i think something you said a second ago made me think of this the problem with us humans is we can't see what we can't see right so if we knew our weaknesses or what we needed to work on or what needed to change, we would just get up and change them. It would be that simple. You'd go, right, you change this, 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 and this, and here's my problem, job done. Um, and the frustrating thing as a coach is sometimes I can see it. I can see what their problems are, but I know that it means nothing until they see it. And that might take a day, might take an hour, might take one call, might take four years, where eventually someone sees what I saw and I've had to lead them there with questions and poking and pointing and they eventually see it and they go, I've had an insight and I'm sat there going, oh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have compassion because I know that I don't see stuff until I see stuff. Um, and then when you see it, the penny drops or it hits or you think, oh, my God, that has plagued my life for years and I didn't even know it. It's like it's like that's why it's unconscious or subconscious. It's like we just don't really see it. And I think that's the joy of this exploration the, the looking within, the self-development, I think you're always kind of almost working through, uh, you know, if, if, our, if our being or our brain is like this big mansion, you kind of are going into the finding new rooms and looking around with your torch and going, ah, like, oh, there's damp in this room. No wonder I've been like, everything's moldy. Or <laughs> like, you know, there's a fucking tiger in the closet. I'm wondering why I've been waking up feeling stressed all the time. It's, it's you, you find these aspects of yourself and I just find the more you kind of unhook them and the more you let go, the more you tend to find that peacefulness, the more you tend to find your triggers start to dissolve. And even that is such a great, I think, seeing when something doesn't trigger me that used to, I'm like, oh, it's such a good feeling. Like, I love that. And I think, wow. But, and that's to kind of conclude this ramble. That's why I love relationships and, you know, with kids or, or whoever, because as soon as there's a trigger for me, that's that is a um, an invitation to look at that. Like, mm. what is it that's going on here? Like, what? And and that can be many things. If I 
I've had so many triggers in the relationship. I hate feeling mothered. I hated it. You know, uh, that's my issue. I hated feeling like being told what to do, right? I hate being told what to do. If you say, do this, I want to do the opposite. Like, <laughs> you tell me to do the hoovering, I'm going to tell you all the reasons I can't do the fucking hoovering. Um, you know, there was triggers like that. With the kids, with Max, um, every time he got emotional and, like, he would tear up, I, I'd fucking, I'd think, for fuck's sake, Max, like, man up, like, with the words that would come to my head. And then I'd be like hang on a minute, there's something in that for me. Like, mm. I'd find if I felt emotional uh, for a film or watching Max score at football or watching Rosie play a violin, I'd hide that. I'd fucking do everything I could to make sure that you do not see. So then there's something in that. It's like, well, what? what's that about? So that I just find that, or whether it's because I want sex tonight and I don't get it, I'm angry. What, what's, there's something in that as well. There's always these little invitations into... What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What what's going on here for me? Um, anyway, does that does that? Well, what was the question? <laughs> uh, that's good. So, yeah. so a question off the back of that. So, for a listener out there right now, everything seems perfect on social media, but behind closed doors, they're arguing with each other, right? And they are hating each other. You're coming through the door. You're thinking, do you know what? I'm just I've worked a bit later because I didn't want to be fucking spending time with you. And Kelly, out, Kelly, if you listen to this, this is not us, so don't worry about us. <laughs> um, so how, what would you say for that part? And that, and equally, that person hates them. Like, oh, you're coming through the door, stay later, I'm fed up with it. Another night of us arguing, another night of us sitting there in silence, another night of us going angry to bed. What would you say that first step would be initially, just to initiate some like peace treaty, effectively, like the resolute to that. And yes, go into a coach to that part. But I, I believe that someone probably shouldn't be coming to you right now in that moment of time because there needs to be some sort of peace time. Otherwise, you get that situation we had before. Like they're angry. They don't want to look at the thing. I've been told to get on this call. You speak to you and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm not here just to listen as an agony aunt. There needs to be some action from that. So, so what would you say is like the initial part? If someone is there... And someone goes, well, I'm actually going to take that next step and wave the white flag and get some resolute to it because there is a deeper line of us actually want to resolve this. What would you say was like, what would you say your advice to anyone mm. who's in that position? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously some some form of coaching or something would be great, but only if they are willing to look at themselves so I've had many I've had many clients change their relationships, uh, and oftentimes their wives haven't even known they're talking to me. Um, and I've had I've had the, my favorite is when the wife thinks that it's a scam or it's too fucking expensive, and he says "fuck you," I'm doing it anyway. And then she has to eat her words because he changes so much, and they're like, "When are you speaking to James again?" I love it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's the best thing is is when someone sees the change in you. I think that's, that's such a rewarding thing. But uh, I'm not saying that's the only route. I'm not saying that's, I think there are many other ways of, um, so the, I can't answer in short terms. There's a few things that come to mind and one of them might land for someone and the other one might land for someone else. But the initial thing that comes to mind is I'm always amazed at how fine that line is between love and hate. Yeah. It's, you can feel a million miles away from each other and like you despise each other i felt that i felt 
And then hours later, minutes later, days later, the total opposite. And I think, oh my God, like, why did I feel that way? Or it can switch. It's like, I'm so happy in the relationship and then something happens. And I think, I fucking don't even like you. <laughs> I could like, you know, not punch you in the face because I'd never do that. But like, there's such a fine line. And then this is one of the things that I learned quite early doors that when we, when we are triggered into fight, flight or freeze, what happens is we literally, our, our nervous system switches, but we're literally coming, we're in a different part of our brain. If we were scanning our brains, you go from like the prefrontal cortex, the human part of the brain, you go into this animalistic part of your brain, which is totally different. It doesn't have logic, which is why, you know, losing your temper over someone cutting you up in traffic, it makes no sense on a logical level. And afterwards you think, what was that about? You know, you get home from a long day and you shout at your kids, you compromise the loving relationship with your kids because they left a sock on the stairs and you think, what the fuck was that about? Right. <laughs> so you go into a part of your brain that doesn't have logic. And what I learned was when you go into kind of fight, flight or freeze, you are literally preparing to defend yourself from a survival perspective. So if, if my wife poses a threat to my safety as a, as a, as a mammal, as an animal, as a gorilla, whatever, I will need to be prepared to kill her or run away or whatever it is. So, so the brain literally severs that emotional connection. Like it, it creates a disconnect. Um, you know, the same can be true, like that dissociation from like going through divorce or um, et cetera. So the brain is trying to protect you. It's trying to, it's trying to shut down any feelings of love, acceptance, whatever, because it thinks that's what it needs to do to keep you safe. You go into stress response, you get all the stress hormones. Normally then all thoughts kick off. Um, so I, I just like bringing awareness to that because you start to see, okay, you're both just going into stress response. What I often see in a relationship that's got to that point is you're, you're not even in the relationship together anymore. It's not you and them anymore. Like you and them, you'll know when it's you and them when you're on holiday and after the third day you chill and you think we're really enjoying each other's company and we're connecting more and we're talking or or whatever it is, right? whatever those moments are. There, there might be those moments where you feel loving or connected and it might have been a long time since you felt that, but... It's like there are kind of four people in a relationship rather than two because there's kind of who you are and who they are, but then there's their gorilla and your gorilla. Or it's like who they are and who you are, but then there's all their thinking and emotions and triggers. And when a relationship gets to that point, it's almost like the, their humans aren't meeting each other anymore. Mm. There's a um, there's an amazing picture. I, I don't even know. If I, know I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Is it the everyman one? No. There's, there's a sorry there's an image on every man there's like two people back to back with each other and then there's like have you ever seen that one no i've seen it the, sorry. About the same thing like there's yeah. two people sat back to back yeah and then there's bodies, but their hearts are coming out and they're trying to reach each other oh yeah so it's, it's very similar there was a something like a every man sort of you know whatever it is um yeah in america whatever it is and they've got two they had two back to backs but they had two little inner little human beings inside kids but yeah ah uh, yeah yeah yeah. Like, exactly. yeah yeah so it sounds like it's the same concept but slightly different the one i was thinking it was like two people sat back to back and their hearts were desperately trying to reach each other yeah. i think that's such an amazing um such an amazing metaphor or whatever or visualization of of what's going on 
Um, I actually, the more I've got into this and the more I've explored myself on emotional and a somatic level, the more I actually have realized when we disconnect, I feel like a block in my chest. It's the more I focus on that feeling, it's like it almost feels like a black hole. It feels like there's a disconnect. Um, and I've been leaning into that emotion and what is it? Sadness, rejection. I've had a lot of shits come up for me around sadness, rejection, feeling unloved. Um, massive for me so much shit there i had to work through but and then when we feel connected that feels very different i almost feel like an openness in in my chest an openness in my heart and that's probably why that image spoke to me because it's like you know in this relationship what would happen is it's my thoughts and her thoughts and our thoughts are so unreliable you know it's it will be thinking i'll be and then, then my my thoughts are like bacteria they just keep multiplying it's like as an example, she didn't want sex last night. And it's like, but my brain doesn't just leave it there. It's like, she didn't want sex last night. My my emotions might be, I feel rejected. I feel unloved. I feel she doesn't appreciate me. My thoughts kick off while well, I'm doing all this stuff for us. And she can't be asked to even do that. And, you know, and now hang on, this is the, this is the third time this month and this isn't enough. And, you know, if I got with this person, this would happen. And this client's having this much sex and blah. And all of a sudden, all these thoughts are kicking off and, and it's, it's gone from her just not being in the mood. to maybe she wasn't last night, but she will be tonight. And that's maybe the end of it to suddenly we're getting divorced and she doesn't love me and appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> so now when I meet her later on, it's not me in the room. It's yeah. me in this massive suitcase of thoughts and assumptions and stories and triggers and um i so always i always say to like people expectations versus reality mm. and the inner conflict is between that yeah. like because you're like you know your reality is this is what's happened your expectations there's all of that stuff that's happening out there i yeah. expect so i expect that i expect that and the inner conflict always is like the unmatched route from reality to expectations um mm. So yeah, hundred percent get that because people, and also like that happens a lot within us as well. We're, I think we're almost conditioned as a society to overthink all the things that might happen, but actually not happen and all the reasons why. And actually it then departs itself, like you said, back to in the actual moment of actually being deeper connected. Yeah. And yeah. um, so, so um, I've got another question for you off the back of that. Just loads of questions. Dave, Dave, you can no, I, I, Do you know what? I'm going to go and make myself a brew. <laughs> I'll come back in about half an hour. Give me a text when you finish, lads. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, a next step from that. So, someone, someone might be listening out there who actually is in a good relationship, or they're in a relationship that's not hostile, away from those environments, but they feel like they've lost that deeper connection. So it feels like they're both on the hamster wheel. We get home, we have dinner, we watch some TV, we go to bed, get back in the thing. We've got some kids. Weekends are filled up with a load of other kids, but like, you know, and there's like sex is here or there and all might be a case of it. So like people are just in autopilot effectively, but they recognize they want to have a more deeper conversation. Like, what would you say? Like, how would you, how do you start to make that as a deeper connection amongst each other? Yeah. You're both recognizing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question as well. So just to kind of recap, because in my head, there's an open loop on the last bit. The, the awareness of what I said, I think, is the first step. And even just seeing seeing your own triggers, seeing that you're both not in the relationship and also seeing that you're quiet. You're not as far away from feeling love and connection and closeness as you probably think. And I think that hope is quite useful. You start to, even if you start to see your own thoughts, see your own assumptions, 
when she says this or does this or does that, what do I make that mean? What do I think she meant, uh, et cetera. So you just get really curious about yourself and take responsibility. Um, and that's probably not that dissimilar, actually, to the question you've just asked, which is, you know, let's say people are in a good relationship, but you lose it. Um, for me, the first thing is accepting that this from, from personal experience, that that's okay. Life is difficult. Like, um, sometimes people come to me and their relationship is struggling a little bit and we've, you know, they've got a newborn baby and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you're no wonder. <laughs> like life is hard sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you've got kids or you're working or you're both working or there's financial pressure or whatever it is for people. Some days you will not feel 100%. Like some days you might not want to have a deep conversation. Some days, some days I come home and I just think, I just want to be left alone. Like, um, other days I might come home and I really want to have a big deep chat, but Jenna wants to be left alone because she's had a long day. Like, so there will be times when you, that that's life, right? You're tired, you're stressed, whatever. Not taking it personally was a massive thing for me and Jenna. I used to take it so personally. Like if she doesn't want to talk again, it's personal. Why does she not want to talk to me? Why does she, um, yeah, why am I not important to her? Why is she in a mood with me? She's not in a mood with me. She's had a stressful day. Or um, So not taking things personally really, really helped us. You know, we are different. We do need different things. There are times when she wants to talk and I don't, and vice versa. Sex is more important to me. I, physical touch is very important to me. Okay. Emotional connection is more important to her. And physical touch is lower down um acts of service are really important to her so like me going to the shop getting her some capri suns and putting them in the fridge so they're cold for her later on goes miles for her to me i would rather fuck the capri suns just you know come and kiss me or cuddle me when you come in or whatever. <laughs> um, james, james, james sorry on that one for our listeners but i know that what you've touched on love languages yeah, yeah. Like, so people listening out there this is still new like to a lot sometimes i speak to people and you probably experienced it love languages so what is love languages and what what have you just said about like well mm. like i've had it like i literally had a conversation with someone close to me it was like their partner was like oh, i bought them a load of stuff and they're just unappreciative i was like yeah but i can i can see that their love language is is like connect like connection human touch and like so you give them a load of stuff but you don't hold their hand so they don't even need any of that stuff they just need you to hold the hand and they'll probably feel a bit more connected with you it's like ah yeah. oh, now that makes sense. Like that car is good, but I don't hug them enough. Yeah. So if you can go into I want a little to add on to this as well. So to add on to it, how do you establish? So what is love language? And the secondary question on top of it, how do we figure out what our own love languages are? Mm, yeah, good questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I love this because part of why I used to feel unloved is because is sometimes I'd go to cuddle Jenna and she wouldn't want it. You know, she'd always shrug me off. Oh, fuck, I'm trying to cook, which wouldn't swear at me, but you know, that's kind of what her body said. Fuck off, leave yeah. me alone. And I'd feel rejected or whatever. Or like you said, I've had experiences where, you know, my clients are like, look, we've got an amazing house. She drives a Porsche. Well, uh, you know, the kids have got everything. Um, and I'd say, but does she even want any of that stuff? Is that even important? And and I know from talking to the wife sometimes, all they want is him to come home and actually be present with her and ask, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> It's like fucking hell. Um, so we we come across this because, yeah, that that was why I was kind of feeling unloved, etc. So love languages, people 
give and receive love differently. Um, and you'll see this in people. Uh, I even see it in the kids as well. Both uh, my kids, um, I don't know about Liam, actually. I'm not really sure what his love language is. That's an interesting question. Uh, I'd have to ask him or, or observe. But just looking at the two that live with me, one is is very um, touchy, and that's that's her love language. And one is more acts of service, so filling up his water bottle or whatever. So the, the love languages essentially are words of affirmation. So some people will get a lot from, you know, being complimented, um, you know, yeah, compliments about what they're wearing or how they look or uh, verbal appreciation for what they do or because um, people feeling underappreciated is massive in relationships. And I was terrible at this. I wasn't very good at saying thank you because in my head, that's not really that important. Like Jenna would say, oh, thanks for doing the dishwasher. And I'd think, why are you thanking me for doing the dishwasher? The dishwasher needed doing. But it's because I didn't realise that to her to say, you know, thank you for uh, cooking the dinner and, and sorting the kids out. I know you're stressed and you, you know, you do an amazing job with somehow juggling it all. That would go a really long way for her. Um, so, yeah, words of affirmation. And then we've got physical touch, which uh, pretty much does what it says on the tin. It doesn't have to be sexual, um, but cuddles, kiss, etc., cetera, um, hand-holding, stuff like that. Then you've got, um, what have I not said, acts of service. So that's me doing something for you, me going to the shop for you, me picking you up, me filling your car up with petrol, me defrosting your car in the morning so when you come out, it's already done. Um you know, me uh, buying you a bounty because I was in Sainsbury's and I know that's what you'd like and ta-da, you know. So, uh, and again, this varies in importance based on um, people. What have I not said here? Um, quality time, I think, is my quality, point. Yeah, quality time, yeah. Yeah, what have I missed? I can't remember what I've covered now. I'm trying to count on my fingers, but um, I feel like I've missed one. Uh, can't remember how funny they're obviously the other one's obviously not important um, <laughs> but in terms of it'll probably come up I'll remember in a second but um, in terms of figuring it out I think you just have to look inwards like what what's important to me and you can look for the clues within your own life like what makes me feel loved when i feel connected to my wife husband whatever why you know what what makes me feel connected what do i feel important to her or not and if i do when and why what does she do um you can look at when she does she compliment me uh, for example you can work through this does she do anything for me yes or no yes if it's yes well do I care when she does anything for me? And, and no, uh, you know, does she compliment me or not? Or he, whoever it is, you can kind of work through it and just look for yourself, like what matters to me. So for example, do I like to receive love is a good question yeah. to ask yourself. Yeah. yeah. So this is about kind of receiving, like I, for example, could probably be in a relationship where she doesn't really do anything for me uh, as in physically, but I couldn't be in a relationship where there's no touch. I'd struggle with that. That wouldn't, I'd feel unloved. And I do, if we don't uh, have any kind of connection physically, I start to feel unloved. So that's that's quite obvious to me. Um, I don't really care about being thanked or praised or 
So that's like, okay, so that's not that important to me. But once you are aware of this in yourself, not only can you go to them and say, you know, and not demand, I need you to love me this way, because that doesn't tend to go well. But <laughs> saying, I've noticed I feel more love when you do X, Y, and Z, and I feel less love when you do X, Y, and Z. And I really, and you can, you can positively reinforce mm-hmm. it as well. So if I notice that um, she's been more affectionate with me recently, uh, I can say, like, I feel really kind of connected to you. I feel more closer to you. I feel more, almost like I'm, like you love me more at the moment. I think it's because you've been touching me more or you've been, whatever it is, you have to work out for yourself. So the more you become aware of your own languages, the more you can communicate to them how you're feeling and how certain things make you feel. And I think that then opens up the door for you to ask them, like, out of curiosity, and these questions will be received well. Me saying to you, um, you know, how can I, uh, you know, what do you like about this relationship? What do I do in this relationship that helps you? What do you wish I did more of? What do you wish I did less of? What do you wish I never did again? What do you wish? These are all questions that are going to help them to, and they might not even know the answer for themselves. And that's the joy of it. As they answer the question, they might go, oh my God, I didn't think about that. But now you've asked. So you in some ways, this is what we've done. It's like we've learned each other's, it's like the instruction manual that wasn't written. It's like you learn each other's operating instructions. It's like now I know that acts of service go such a long way for Jenna. It's like I can consciously do more of that. I consciously will make more of an effort. And then what happens is I don't do it with the intention of, right, if I do more of this, I'll get more of what I want. I just try and do more of what she needs and there's a natural tends to be a natural reciprocation. So then yeah. she becomes more loving and more touching with me because she knows that's important. The more she does that, the more I'm like, Oh, I feel loved. And then, then I want to do more stuff for her because I feel loved. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I might see something and, you know, like when I was in not a good place with her, I might walk past her car and see it's iced up and she'll be in a rush and think, oh, fuck her. <laughs> if I feel loved, I'll quickly do it. And it might take two seconds, but that's something that goes a long way for her. Or as I said, like, I think the other day, I don't know, she really fancied something and I just got in the car and went to the shop and got it. And that's massive for her. Um and I'm okay doing that. Of course I am. So, yeah, if you look in the direction of that, and, and these are, if you go back even from what I've just said for the last five, 10 minutes, there's questions in there. And I think to me, questions and exploration are the portal to all of this, really, not only personally, but I also find when I say date night, I don't mean go out and have a glass of wine and whatever and have a meal etc for me date night is a conversation like this it's a conversation about you know even what's my score out of 10 this week because yeah, that that opens the door to it it's an a well why is it an a what could i have done better what do you what should i have done more of or could i have done more of or and then you just keep exploring that she'll say well i didn't really feel like you helped me out this week well what do you mean help you out well i helped out with the kids and blah blah, blah. is that important to you yeah it is oh, i didn't know that like so often i'd be like oh, i didn't know that i didn't know that because it's not important to me doesn't mean it's not important to them um and this is it kind of ties into i i used to find other humans so frustrating i still do actually honestly sometimes but a big part of that frustration was because i didn't realize that everyone else doesn't see the world the way that i see it 
So because this is obvious to me, I thought that should be obvious to everyone. And because in traffic, well, because I read the traffic, right, and am a good driver, um, like 15 years of no claims corroborates my story as well. No, no accidents, no points ever. I just, I love driving and I think that makes me good at it. Maybe, maybe there's a correlation. And I read the road well. So I'll see that's going to block that. And that's going to block that. So let's let them out. And this person... So then when people wouldn't let me out, I think they're just a dickhead. They're just a dickhead or they're fucking idiots or whatever it is because I was judging everyone else based on the way I view the world, based yeah. on what's important to me, based on what my values. And I didn't know that. And I didn't realise that that what's important to Jenna might not be the same as what's important to me. And what's important to the kids is different as well. So um, I remember... One final example, this is in a relationship. It was a client with their daughter, and I think their daughter just wanted to show them all these shit videos on TikTok. And he was like, oh, fucking, it just, it's fuck off with TikTok. You know, it's all shit. And, you know, leave me alone, basically. And what he didn't realise is that may have actually been her attempt to connect. You know, him showing some, um, just being present in that moment and taking an interest in what's interesting to her. That might have been her love language. So, taking the time even if in your head you're thinking oh you know taking the time to be interested in this because she's interested in this maybe the difference between her feeling loved or not or her feeling connected or not so you, you start to just get really curious about and you'll see it you'll see it in your in your kids and your wife and your whatever you'll start to see that they will try and give love in the way that they receive it normally and if you don't receive it that way this is why sometimes you can be in a relationship and feel unloved because he might be buying all this shit for her and saying, you know, I love her and that's why I bought all this stuff. But she doesn't receive love that way. So she doesn't feel loved because he's not complimenting her on the way she looked or, um, and then vice versa. She might then be cooking him dinner and whatever it is, uh, cause that's the way she gives love. But he's saying, well, I don't feel loved because she doesn't cuddle me or we don't have sex. So it's like, they're trying to love each other, but, almost just speaking different languages. And I think that's where love languages originate from, really, that we give and receive love in different ways. Did that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, really good. I've got so sim similar with my partner, Kel, because like, Kel's um, uh, trained to be a qualified like counsellor and she's going into child child counselling, special needs and a lot. And so we've like, you know, being a coach and a part counsellor, we have those parts. And she even said actually on her level three, there tends to be more people breaking up on level three courses than anything else, purely because you go in such a deeper understanding of self-awareness and your how you are and yeah, you're starting to really take in listening skills and everything like that. They tend to find that they come back and realise the relationship they're in is not the right relationship and the person is the right way. And like you said, that person's now on this projector and this person's like, no, I want to stay here. Um, but we do say similar with regards to like we do the out of like out of 10 how are you feeling this week i do yeah 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 and then it's like we should do a check-in on thursdays it's like how are you doing it out of this week oh, i'm a six okay like why why do you feel you're a six i'm a six because of x y and z okay how can i support you to get you back up to like nines tens yeah. so and it, it, it's been a massive game changer because like you said you listen to the person they explain how they're feeling why they're feeling that way what can i do to support it like and that's actually developed us into going on a saturday morning Kel has her time away from the twins and she does a part run and goes for a coffee and does some stuff. And I take ownership that goes right. But then my day is on the Sunday. Yeah. Like, 
and that has been the massive dynamics as we've developed into having the twin. So it, it I everything you've said from a relationship I hundred percent get and understand, and it is factual and what that happens. Like love language is a massive thing with us. Yeah. Um, and like my previous relationship before that no discredit to us we were together 10 years and we do to get married like now learning what i've learned realize that this is not the right that wasn't the right relationship at the time of what we needed like love languages out all sorts of stuff how we connected how we communicated everything so yeah, yeah. so like the, a question i've got last question sorry dave like you've had no you want me you can feck off with these questions rob i'm gonna ask one <laughs> can i have oh, like one, one last question of course you can um Every person wants to have be a white knight sometimes in a relationship, the saviour of the other individual. When is enough is enough? Mm, good question. I don't... And, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, on this part, I've, I've had conversations over the last year or so going into that mental health space. And I've said to them, like, there's a point where you've tried and they've gone through that process, but they're not changing. And it's on a quarterly basis. They keep just saying, I'm going to do this and do this. And they're not doing it. And you're the person that's taking all of that emotional sponge, sucking in all the stuff that they said they're not going to do. And it's, it's effectively killing you because you're you load, loads of people and you probably come across it. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know my identity anymore because I'm taking on their shit and my shit and trying to work it out together. So when is, when is enough? Because sometimes people go, oh, but I've been in that relationship six years. I put all the effort into it and we'll get there at some point. And it's like, when? That's a great question. Because I've, I mean, I was I was in a position, as I said earlier on, I was in a position where I thought that I, I was going to be willing to go at some stage. Um, but I decided that I needed to, only once I have given it everything I've got and I've become the best I can be, um, at that stage, I will then make the decision to leave or not. But to leave at that moment in time was like, I know that I haven't done my best. So therefore, let me do that first. Um, and, I've, and I've said that to clients and I've had clients then, you know, come back from the, the brink of divorce, et cetera, and still be together like probably five, six years on. Or, um, But I've also had clients on the flip side where I'm literally saying to them, you know, they've done so much, they've changed so much, they're constantly trying. And the other, in this case, the wife is the person that comes to mind, isn't reciprocating in any way. Um, And the question then becomes, how much longer are you going to put up with this? Like, how much more are you going to give this before you say enough is enough? Um, I... One of the questions I always ask as well, and there's no, I haven't, there's no science backing this up, and I could be totally wrong here, but the question I always ask them is, how was it at the start? Because I've found, and again, this is just anecdotal evidence, so don't read into it too much. I've found the people that were really happy at the start, I feel like they can normally get back to that. But a lot of relationships that have gone on to split up, they weren't even happy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, or they just got together because she got pregnant and then it was like, well, I'm trapped now or whatever. And they don't really, it was almost like they got together for the wrong reasons. Another thing that comes to mind is of obviously if we got in the relationship when we were kind of less conscious of this stuff or unconscious, we may have been kind of acting out those patterns that we've said, those trauma patterns. We tend to kind of settle for the love we think we deserve. And we tend to, 
weirdly look for people that love us in the way that our parents loved us so if the way our parents loved us was dysfunctional we're going to find ourselves in a dysfunctional relationship um it's like with different attachment styles you've got um that they tend to you've got avoidant and you've got anxious and they tend to end up together and triggering each other that's me and jenna by the way i'm i'm anxious she's avoidant so we triggered the fuck out of each other which is probably a conversation for another day because otherwise that'll be another hour but to get to the point to get to the question again this isn't this is my opinion so this may not be you know fact but what i look for is willingness in the other person so what was frustrating me about jenna at first is she wouldn't read a book she didn't want to be in the conversation she wouldn't um have any form of coaching or, or therapy or um you know, she wouldn't talk to her friends about it. She wouldn't talk to me about it. It was like, if, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm. So, and that's what I see in some of these relationships. The wife just does not get it. Doesn't want to get it. Doesn't, doesn't want to get on the phone to me. Doesn't want to get on the phone to anyone. Doesn't listen to any audio. Is not open to any form of change in any way. It's like they are just stuck in this fixed mindset. Uh, and to me, that that is, I don't know how long that can go on for before what happens is you know you might have both started here and one of you just outgrows and outgrows and outgrows and outgrows whereas like with me and jenna for example it was like this and then she started to kind of come with me and then we've grown together and i think that's why it's worked for us you know 15 years i've, I've always come across a really interesting clip of anyone out there snoop dogg and actually he says calls it calls he calls it closing the gap yeah, and he yeah. said, actually, as a little clip, and they talk about how you grow as an individual and how you're friends. And he said, like, you grow. And then the closing the gap is if if your friends don't come up with you, then you have to come back down to them, to yeah. their level. And then you lose all that stuff you built. So he said, like, it's called closing the gap. As you got there, it's their job to close the gap. Um, so you're 100%. Of all people, I always remember back to his Snoop Dogg when it comes to relationships and closing the gap and friendships you wouldn't think a guy who smokes a joint pretty much every day is the person that you'd that's why he's so chilled and super loving mate. that's what he's yeah, all about imagine him a big doobie guy it's all about closing the gap like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's true though i think i think if you're both willing to because even if you're moving in the direction you're not going to get it right right i i sometimes am the fucking jenna sent me something the other day uh on instagram i can't remember what it was but it was essentially saying that sometimes my husband is the most amazing man in the entire world and i'm so happy and other times basically he's a brick you know and it's like ta-da you know you're not gonna get it right all the time like there are times where i'm like ah oh. you know there are times when you know and again you get better at this there are times where i just have to say to her i'm just in a mood today there's nothing you've done there's nothing i can't figure it out but if I'm snappy, just, you know, stay away from me. Or And that's okay because I've communicated it and, and there's understanding. And vice versa. She might say, I don't know why. I'm just not in the mood to be touched today, you know, but I still love you, though. Uh, she she says those words. It's like, okay, fine. So there's still understanding. But what I'm trying to, I think what I'm trying to point to is not about being perfect. It's not about being amazing every second of every day. Um, it's not about getting it right all of the time because even after 15 years, like I feel like I've not been in a relationship with one woman. I've been in a relationship with about 700 women because 
who she was when she was at uni compared to when she was a mum for our first child compared to a mum for our second child compared to when she was working compared to when she's running the business who she's been along the way there's been so many different and we've uncovered new things and new thoughts and new fears and new repressed emotions and all sorts of stuff we've just gone on the journey which has kept this relationship fresh and alive and interesting um so i think as long as you're both moving in the direction and you're both curious one may be ahead of the other the gap might be reasonably big or small it depends but i kind of feel like if you're moving in the same direction i think there's hope and i think there's um but if, if one person if the gap gets too big or one person doesn't come with you i just think you outgrow people and, and that's okay you outgrow friends i think I even outgrow old versions of myself. Like <laughs> what was important to me two years ago? I'm like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Like, so we even kind of shed our own skin at times. So to, to, to outgrow a relationship, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing, but um, I just think it's, it's something to, for anyone listening, something to think about, um, you know, what I wanted in a relationship back then has changed over time, but are we, and, and fortunately for us, I say us and hear her in the kitchens. So this is where she is. Um, <laughs> we have, we've grown together. So, for example, even having kids, her being a good mum is so important to me, and us developing them emotionally, etc., and our time together. Well, in another life, she may not give a shit about being a good mum, and that may have created diversion for us. That may have been a problem. So, um, I don't know what that means in terms of is there luck there? Is it you just grow and maybe you grow together or maybe because you could we're kind of talking about going linear here growing together but you might grow but actually go in different directions you might start to see that actually i love that you're changing and and you know this relationship served us both amazingly but we're just heading in different directions and that's okay too so i don't know if there's a, a concrete answer um, i appreciate why why i've really taken away from this podcast which is which is awesome to see is that you're a uh, a life coach in specifically around relationships, but you're not coming on here like some guru to say, I've got everything sorted and I'm like the best and we've got the perfect relationship. I love the authenticity that you're going now, actually like I'm in it as well. So like anything I learn and understand, especially I've understood and learned over the last few years, like you said, two years ago to what you probably learned today, it enables you then go to your clients and say, I experienced this same like or similar. I've learned this particular process. You're like go off and explore this particular thing, like you know, like attachment or attachment theory or love languages or you know whatever it might be. And it, but if you hadn't done that, then that's the like it's lived knowledge that you can impart onto people. And it's it's awesome to see because I find a lot going back to like we talk about social media and we talk about the perfect lives. Yeah, there's people out there who can go. Oh, I've got the perfect relationship. You know, I'm good. And people go. That's great, but like back to the normal reality of world with like people with kids and working lives and doing stuff. That's just again departed from actually reality of what I'm experiencing, what I need help with. So, I've, I've, it's nice to have some good, honest advice and conversations and relatability that someone could be listening and thinking, "Yeah, that's me." Yeah, but at least yeah. I feel like there's there's routes I can go that are the first initial steps and anything else. Yeah, I love that. I think to, the way I see it is. To me, marriage isn't like we've said we've we've signed some paperwork and now we're stuck. To me, marriage is waking up every day and asking myself, do I still want to be in this relationship? And the answer keeps being yes. Um, and always working on it. It's like the gym. You get in shape. If you stop going, you start to you lose your muscle, you lose your strength, you lose 
to me everything really myself personally if i stop reading or listen to audiobooks and having these conversations I, i start to regress if i stop going to the gym i get weaker if i stop having date night or looking in the direction of this if we go for a point where i'm like we're not getting on well right now we're like i haven't done date night in three weeks we haven't yeah. had a conversation so and the same with the kids sometimes i'm like the, the kids are acting up or and i think hey i've not had any one-to-one -one time so then i'll go into rosie and say do you want to play a game and we'll do that or there's a level of maintenance and life is always this i always imagine like a seesaw on a roundabout i'm always like balancing it or spinning plates you're like right spin the white plate and then you're like oh the kid plate spin the kid plate and then you're like oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're always Some would say life is like eight dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> well, our eight dimensions, yeah. But no, I'd say like what look, the last part on that I would say is a good one. Is I always say with Kel, the thing that we've learned is uh, the question that people should be asking is, do I need that person? Do I want that person? Mm. And if you like, if you want that person, you're in the relationship. If you need it, there's a whole different level of like what's going on there. So like exactly what you said there is like going back to the truth of. Why are we disconnected? What would we need to do? Like, I need to have, need to be that person, etc. So, Dave, have you got any questions? I've, I've oh, do you know what? One last one. The, on, the only question I wasn't allowed to say today, and just to let the guests know that Rob shouted at me because I talk too much and I always keep guests on forever and a day until they fucking fall asleep. And today all he's done, he's, he's cracking, knocked me right out of it so I can't speak. Well, I'm going to speak now, Rob. It's my turn. I've, got, I've only got one question. I've absolutely loved listening to this and... Yeah, um, talking about the love languages and the different attributes of relationships. But one thing that always stands out for me in everything um, in life is environment. So I believe the environment dictates outcome regardless. And then what we need to do is figure out what the ingredients are. So what the question is, in your experience, James, what set of ingredients do we all require to make a relationship successful. So ingredients may include things like trust, commitment. What, what are the main ingredients that, that build and keep a relationship together? And what which of those ingredients, when removed, cause the biggest problems? Not that. Um, I'll, I'll say <laughs> some words and we'll see what comes out. Yeah. It's an interesting question, though. Um, interestingly, my cat has just come in to, to join us. And the funny thing is about cats is this cat absolutely being loving and affectionate completely ticks my love language of touch. So I feel very loved by the cat. Yeah, <laughs> I would say though, James, was that is that the same cat that woke you up about quarter past four on one of your videos the other day? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it love then? <laughs> well, it wasn't until he then rubs his head on you and purrs, and I'm like, right, everything's fine, you know. It's like, <laughs> Whereas, um, you know, I've had other cats in the past that just treat you like a hotel and they don't want to be touched. And I think, well, fuck you then. You don't love me. Get out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's interesting because, again, I think from my... For me, and again, these are probably my own recipes. I don't know if I know the recipe for every relationship. I, I do think vulnerability is, is huge. I think curiosity as in that kind of curiosity or that desire to get to know each other deeper and deeper and also to get to know yourself deeper and deeper. I think the more you know yourself, I think the more you love yourself. I think the more you understand about yourself, I think the more you can 
show up in the relationship. So there's kind of curiosity there. Um, I think trust is built, and I think that's built through communication, conversation, vulnerability. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's a, there's a few recipes. I'd say taking responsibility rather than kind of blaming, I think, is massive. I think not taking things personally, I think, is huge. Uh, I think communicate. if I had to choose one, I'd say communication, the constant communication, constantly getting to know each other, asking questions, getting interested, getting curious. If they've had a go at you, not taking it personally, going back to the next one, finding out why, what's going on for them, how are they feeling? You uh, mentioned the question earlier on, Rob, which was like, how can I support you? Um, so that that's huge, that communication. But also if we was going to go slightly less on the level of form or what I can even put words to. I do think, I do think kind of love and presence being present with each other, that, that, that consciousness, there's something in that for me that I've never been able to put my finger on. Like me and Jenna were laughing yesterday about how we were actually having a conversation funnily enough yesterday about when we first got together the thing that amazed her the most is nothing I did gave her the ick. Uh, and the reason this conversation started is because I was talking about like when I was single, I just, someone's hairline, I'm like, oh. Or then I'd walk in the girl home after a night out and she'd fall up a curb and I'm like, oh, that's put me off. And I don't even know why. <laughs> I don't know. Or someone that should be attractive, yeah, just doesn't do it for me. Or someone that shouldn't be attractive, I'm like, something there. There's a So I do think there is a formless chemistry there's some kind of interaction of energy or whether that's metaphysical whether that's whatever that is I, I kind of feel like there's a there's an unexplainable attraction or chemistry uh, in a relationship to me that that feeling um we call it 11 out of 10 like when we're getting on it's like sometimes we're a, a 10 out of 10 so this 11 out of 10 is is it seems to be beyond our comprehension there's just a there's a real kind of connection that i can't put words to um is it almost, have, like, is it almost like a free state of flow yeah I, I don't know i i don't know what it is but i just it's just a and i think getting to that and resting in that and the reason i've come to that is i'm thinking about presence as well like being present i think um even i've said this to clients before as an experiment i get them to do this even when their wife or kids or whoever don't even know is go home and be really present i like get really 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 present i like ask her how she is or him and really be there like and and it feels different it's like i i kind of i feel the the, the ground on my feet i kind of have a conscious breath and i really watch and it's like you just almost absorb them in some way. It's like you can feel them beyond just your eyes, you know, and you watch as they speak and the way they move and the way their mouth moves. And you're kind of almost not just listening with your ears, but you're kind of listening with your senses in a weird way. Um, and there's something very connecting about that. You do it with the kids as well. I do the same thing. I get really, really present. And I don't I don't think they know it's happening, but you watch how they respond. There's such a, a fascinating thing when you get really present with your kids or you get really present with your other half and then you ask them how they are or how their day is or sometimes they don't even say anything. I just watch and you, you it, go try it. Whoever's listening, go, go try it. It's amazing to see how 
how the whole demeanor changes. I actually started to play with this where I'd actually give myself experiments. I'd get outside and rather than come in stressed and on my phone and everyone's pissing me off and my mind's frazzled, I'd sit on the drive and I'd do some box breathing and I'd get really present. And then I'd set my intentions and I'm going to go in, I'm going to be calm, I'm going to be present. And I'd walk in and as an experiment, I would see how the house, the people in the house interact with me when I just get really present. I ask questions and I listen and, and it was, they wouldn't know I'm doing it, but you can almost laugh in your head at how much you can seem to change the energy of your house based on the energy that you walk in with. Um, now, if you're in more into kind of metaphysical, it could be, is it the power of presence? Is it consciousness? Um, or is it, you could even, it is also backed up again by, things like neuroscience in terms of it's called co-regulation. So um, our nervous systems can be regulated by someone else's. So if I'm stressed and you come in and you're really calm, my nervous system can relax. And it might be because our brains are scanning saying, oh, he seems chill. Maybe I'm safe. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. I just know it's fun. And I know that that, you know, even like date night, same thing, you know, it wouldn't be TV on or on your phones. It's I'm in this conversation now. Like, I, you are the most important thing to me in this moment. And, th and that moment doesn't have to be an hour. It can be two seconds. It can be as I, as I pick Rosie up and uh, from school and I just pause for a moment and I just, I just remember to be here in that moment. And I do find presence is quite transformative. So that's something that people can probably go away from this and yeah. play with. Massive. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm done. Quite only I'm done. Only, I only had the one question. So I'm, <laughs> I'm done now. Yeah. But yeah, I've just been sat here listening to all of this. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is is kind of uh, what you would think is common sense, but we're, we're not doing a lot of this stuff. Uh, we're not really inquiring. We're not asking our own questions. Or, you know, I remember somebody asked me, and it was, it was a few months ago when I first came around to understanding what love languages were. And somebody asked me, how do I like to receive love? And it was the first time that it had ever hit me. And you know what shocked me? I didn't know the answer. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. But the wonderful thing was then after that is I started to, because I'd noticed it, it was it was in my brain and it was in my thought process. So I started to understand what it was and I've kind of figured it out. And then the conversation we had in um, with Claire, is my wife. Um, we have conversations all the time for hours and hours <laughs> talking about this type of stuff. And it was a really interesting one. And we started to un uncover what her love languages were. How did she like to receive love? And what was really funny is, even though I didn't know how I, re how I liked to receive love, when I found out it was very apparent in the way that I gave love, it was basically that. So if you don't know, one quick way to have a look at it is just watch how do you like to give love because you'll probably find out that that is exactly how you like to receive it as well, even though you don't know it. Uh, would you agree with that, James? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. so no, absolutely amazing. I've loved uh, being being part of this, listening to this conversation is is, is amazing. Have you got anything else, Rob, before, uh, before we wrap this up? They they say fly on the wall, but you're pretty much like Dave on the wall in that in that business. They just sat there, chilled out. That's <laughs> it. Oh, mate, I, I'm just I'm all ears. I love it. I love I love loads of parts of this. Uh, the understanding yourself, thinking um, that the rest of the world. I remember when we. I mean, like, it's, it's, there's no secret now. James um, was one of my coaches a few years ago, um, and yeah, really, really helped me. And I remember when you said that you realised, James, that everybody else didn't 
think the way that you did. Do you remember my penny drop when I had a post-it note in my head? Yeah. It was nuts. I used to literally, Rob, have this. I'd come home and Claire would be walking around the kitchen and I'd want her to do something. And because she didn't do it in the time, I'd be like, what the fuck? Why is she not doing this? Does she not love me? All of that had come in and I'd feel like shit and everything else. And um, yeah, all of this one day, I realised that there was a post-it note and in my head I had, it was important to have the tea done on time because that meant I could play golf, I could do this, I could do, 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 do. But in her head at the time, it was okay, I need to make sure the, the, the hoovering's done upstairs, the kids' school uniforms are done, X, Y, Z. So her list was completely different to mine, but equally as important for the synergy of the house to to work. I never saw it until I did. And yeah, I used to then walk into the house and I'd try and figure out what was on Claire's post-it note. And it was a great way for me to try and understand what she was doing in the day, where she was coming from and how I could benefit instead of being a hindrance to the the flow of the house. And uh, yeah, no, it's brilliant. Well, look, that's another, uh, another fantastic episode done guys. James, uh, James, last bit. Where can people, I know obviously where people can follow you, but where's the best place to follow you? Um, these days I'm spending more time on Instagram than anywhere else. So that's a good place. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best place because then from there you can find my podcast or you can find my website, but my, my videos on there are where I spend most of my time. Um, yeah, but no, I appreciate you having me on. I've really enjoyed the, I've loved the conversation. Um, that's, yeah, it's been great. So I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. James, as well. Right. Well, until next time, guys, thank you very much. Cheers.